and welcome to a Stump Mike podcast. Um, it's myself, Andrew Fidel Fernando. Generally, I would have Siddharth Monga with me, but uh, as his replacement, because you can't replace Monga with just one person, I've got uh, Karthik Krishnaswamy and Osman Samyuddin. Hey guys, how are you doing? Feeling very inadequate, trying to trying to like replace Monga, but not being able to do it. Thanks. Hey, um, good to be here. Good to be on the podcast that I uh, actually like gave the name to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, this, <laughs> it this, was. This stuff it was KK's. Be acknowledged. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we've got that on record on the actual podcast now. <laughs> uh, but the, the one thing I wanted to say was that uh, Monga generally comes in with uh, A, cranky opinions and B, WWE references that no one other than himself gets. So you're going to have to fill that void between the two of you, just giving you advance notice. <laughs> I, I will try that, with the crank. I will try with the crank. I, yeah, I, I so should KK, try with WWE, but might not work. Yeah, KK, that leaves the WWE stuff up to you. Uh, I haven't watched it in 20 years or something, but I'll try. Man, it was better in our day. It was better back in our day. I'm telling you. Just like cricket. Um, anyway, th- what we wanted to talk about today uh, is based very much on the uh, India versus South Africa series that's going on and the manner in which India have absolutely dominated South Africa. And uh, if you look at the uh, the World Test Championship table, India are, are, are on something like infinity points where everyone else is still on, on double figures. Uh, India absolutely ruling the roost at the moment. And... It sort of sparked a conversation, actually started off by the two of you, uh, Karthik and Osman, uh, that India could be maybe the best Asian team that we've ever seen. This present India led by Kohli uh, with the attack that they have, with the top order that they have, seem extremely formidable right now. Do you, do you want to talk us through what led to that conversation and, and sort of the, the premise of this podcast? I think if, if I'll just quickly, so I think um, boredom leads to like a great many things. And I think we were chatting about this on Slack. With, I was chatting to KK about this and like KK, bless him, you know, he's had this series to cover, which, you know, on paper, it should have been so exciting and so closely fought and so tense. And it's been none of them. And, you know, he's done a great job writing about a lot of India things. But like the series has become kind of repetitive after a while. And I think one of the things that naturally came out was this discussion about whether this is the greatest age. And I don't, I don't know how, it, I, th- I think it happened from me just kind of registering like the manner of India's wins, not only at home, but also like what they did in the West Indies, because, you know, in, in the past, like there would have been a lot of Indian sides that would have maybe eked out or scratched out a win in the West Indies or not even one at all until very recently, you know, because they hadn't won their first series in the West Indies until what, 06 or 07, I think. And it was just the manner of, their wins, uh, that they were doing it, they were just so ruthless. You expected them to do it, uh, and they'd been doing it. And of course, they had that series win in Australia, which was, you know, record breaking and historic. And so it, it felt kind of natural just to, just to get this question out there. Uh, and KK, because he was covering them, you know, firsthand, I thought, well, you know, let's speak to KK because he, he's got a mind for these things as well. Uh, and that's like, I mean, that's where I was coming from, at least. And I think, you know, KK probably has his own take on this as well when, when we were chatting. Yeah, so uh, when we were chatting that day, I guess it was a bit of recency bias in my head. And I was like, yeah, there's no doubt about it at all. Uh, 
but then I did like think about it and uh, the fact that Pakistan played the West Indies a lot in the 80s and didn't lose a series to them in that entire decade. It's not as uh, straightforward as I initially assumed. But uh, from a purely India point of view, this is a way better side than any that India have ever had. Um, yeah, so there have been like big away series wins in the past, like in England and uh, West Indies in 71 and uh, stuff like that. But uh, no team has won as much as this one has so consistently that you expect them, the expectations have just gone up to such an extent that they're not judged the way earlier Indian teams used to be. Yeah, and and one of the one of the big things is the is the home record, right? Like it's, uh, I think in the last four or five years, only that Pune win uh, that Australia got uh, with O'Keefe and Lyon bowling quite well there. Apart from that, India have not lost a single test at home, and that's like a, a ruthlessness. That is it fair to say that it's like a ruthlessness that we haven't seen from an India team ever. Uh, not quite ever in terms of not losing because uh, Dhoni's team didn't lose. Even they lost just one test, which was Dale Stain in Nagpur, 2010, uh, until England came and won that series in 2012. But uh, the thing is, their bowlers were never so like, you know, they didn't demolish teams like like this bowling attack does. So there was like always like, so Dhoni would win matches which would go on uh, for five days and like there'd be periods where he'd, you know, have seven, two fields, eight, one fields and like bore the opposition out. Uh, This particular team, there's no need for that. It's just flat out attack. And that's uh, that in Indian cricket history has never happened before. I think just the just the margin of victories, right? We were looking at like their their home wins and the, like the number of innings wins and like eight, nine, ten wicket wins, wins of over two hundred runs. I think we were looking at KK. Was that we yeah, went so through like their home results, right? I don't remember the exact numbers, but there were like five, uh, six or seven innings wins. Uh, there were three wins by wickets, which were all eight or more wickets. Yeah, and. Uh, there was just one uh, win by a runs margin that was less than 100, which was 75, 75 runs. I think, yeah. yeah. So that wasn't even that close. Yeah, it was. It yeah, it was a close match because I mean it seesawed a lot, and India had to like come back after a poor first day. But in the end, it was still a comfortable victory. And, and you know, like, and it was a thought that I had also, and it was a wrong. I, I guess it was a misconception. Was that you know a lot of these wins. And I think it was that 2015 South Africa series that was stuck in my head that a lot of these wins have come on like, you know, tracks that they've prepared really for their, for their spinners like Ashwin and Jadeja and, and all. And that's actually not the case. Like, I think there was that series, of course, was one. And then since then, there's only been like really a couple of surfaces, I think, that have been real kind of, you know, square turners or whatever. Uh, and, and one of them they lost, right? The Pune test, I think, against Australia. Was that the one that they lost that was on a real kind of, one of those raggedy turner pitches. Yeah, that was the one loss, and that was the squarest turner since 2015. And uh, yeah, there have been a couple of interesting pitches, like not flat out like 
flat pitches or whatever like the bangalore one uh, was a there was inconsistent bounce for all five days and like uh, but it didn't necessarily favor india exclusively because like uh, josh hazelwood got like a five uh, five wicket haul on on that pitch lion got eight in the first innings and they like everyone it uh, it helped every bowler to some extent and uh, so there have been some dicey pitches uh, there was the calcutta one against sri lanka where they deliberately prepared a green top because they were going to go on all these tours in a few months so they were like let's start preparing from the time we're at home and uh, yeah india got into so india have gotten into trouble at various times and sometimes on pitches that haven't been easy to bat on but they've not necessarily been square turners and by and large um, say the england series in 2016 and this one against south africa they've been pretty flat pitches in the first innings at least thanks yeah i mean thanks kg for reminding me about that kolkata test the one test that sri lanka could have could have won in india and it came so close and then uh, and then weren't able to close it out in the last couple of days um was that the smog series was yeah that, that was the one but that it was the first test where sri lanka got a first innings lead and got themselves into a winning position but just weren't able to quite close the close the match out um and actually no because uh i mean yeah they got into a good position but uh, in the end they were 75 or 7 or something yeah that's when, right and uh, and uh, and dequella was uh, was it with with ishant that he was having like a like a back and forth or maybe it was umesh yadav i can't yeah, remember yeah basically basically he was, he was trying to waste time by just making a sort of nuisance of himself and he kind of succeeded so yeah and and, good and yeah it was it, he succeeded and yeah it was like one of the great uh, dequella quotes and something that that um sums him up pretty well is that one of the bowlers came up and started arguing with him and then his partner tried to come up and be like you know don't you know don't get it don't even get involved in this and the, his partner who was like a more senior batsman i think it might have been shandimal at the time who was telling Dequella you know don't get, and Dequella was like why are you stopping me we're trying to draw the test they're wasting their own time in singular to his to his batting partner and that was that was like one of the great Dequella moments but um make that man yeah. captain make that man captain <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> and uh, so i mean that's like a good segue to the next section like to just so let's talk about like who would be the other competing teams for this indian team so If we are saying this Indian team is one of the best Asian sides, who would sort of challenge them? Um, from Sri Lanka, I think, like my personal thing, uh, view is that it would be the the best test team that Sri Lanka have had is between 2005 and 2011, maybe or the start of 2011. Um, so this was the era when uh, Chamin Devas was coming to the very end of his career, probably not at his best, to be fair. uh you had morally who was probably quite good until uh or at his peak until maybe 2007 2008 and then he dropped off a bit uh and then he retired eventually in 2010 uh but then you had mahel and, and kumai at their absolute best uh you had lasith malinga playing intermittent tests uh because he had these uh injuries but when he was playing he was absolutely on fire Uh, and you had guys like uh, Pilan Samarira as well sort of more engine room players 
but uh, they never really... Was Dilshan? Dilshan was yes, Dilshan's, Dilshan's like real upward tick started in 2009. So he, yeah, so late no, into this no. period. And then by the time he was like really firing, Murali had retired and Herath didn't yes, quite yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Herath had a, had a good year in 2009, but he didn't really like really step into Murali's shoes until uh, that win in Durban in, in, uh, in 2000, end of 2011. So it was like, Herath hadn't like quite taken over. So it was, it wasn't like a seamless transition. There were like, there, there were a lot of great players playing for Sri Lanka during this period, but they weren't all at their peak. They were all kind of, it was sort of mix and match a little bit. Only Kumar, Sangakara and Mahal Jawadana were sort of steadily great right through this 2005, 2010, 11 period. Uh, and I was looking through a few of their stats, but you know, they still, they weren't winning as often as some of the other teams. I think we were about to mention they, they went, they didn't have a great, uh, they didn't have great success against Australia in particular. Uh, and uh, although they had that one great home series uh, when uh, when against India, when uh, Murali and Ajanta Mendes absolutely carved through the, the Indian top order, uh, they still, I mean, they still weren't able to really absolutely blow the door apart and, and get themselves to that sort of number one ranking, um, which, which would have, do you, do you feel like do you feel like this might have changed if they won that what was it the two thousand and four home series against was it two thousand four two thousand five against Australia where they lost three nil but they were actually in decent positions to win like every single test match uh, um, was that two thousand four yeah two thousand four I think that was two thousand four it was right um, yeah it was the same time India Pakistan were playing this series and I remember this was like this amazing series with Warren and Murli were taking wickets like for fun. And it just felt like Darren Lehman, I think, had a great series. And it just felt like if Sri Lanka had won that series, that I, I don't know, would you have seen them differently? Maybe would they have been a stronger side? Yeah, you know? I mean, I, the only thing is that you'd bring two thousand four into the frame as well. But away from home, Sri Lanka just weren't that strong, right? You know, right in this. In fact, like Sri Lanka's best away victories have been in this current decade, so in the two thousand tens. Winning against England, winning against South Africa, obviously huge. Um, those those victories have kind of are better than any of the away victories that this greatest Sri Lanka team, if, we, if we're calling it that, uh, achieved. Um, so I think that's that's the big sort of black mark against them being contenders to probably the Pakistan and India teams that we are going to mention. And uh, let's quickly mention Bangladesh as well. Uh, the only reason we're not really considering them again is for similar reasons as Sri Lanka is that the away series wins haven't really been forthcoming. And, and I mean, they probably haven't been as dominant as at, at home uh, as well with Afghanistan recently beating them, for example. Um, other, yeah. Yeah, not for a long enough period, I don't think. Not for a long, sustained enough period, I think. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, should, let's move on to, I guess, uh, Pakistan, which would be uh, Pakistan's best team, which uh, would be when uh, Osman? I mean, I, so I, I was looking at this and like, you know, the obvious one is, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think Mizbah's side, as good as they were at home, really kind of get up there as the top Pakistani team because, you know, they had, they had uh, away from home, 
you know, they had 3-0 in, in Australia, 3-0, 2-0 in New Zealand, 3-0 in, um, in South Africa as well. So I don't think they get up there. You know, the, the one team that I, I thought w- could compete and initially before looking at their numbers, I thought that, you know, they, they'll still be like a fair, maybe distant second, um, to, to this India side. But actually, if you look at the Pakistan team from, I, I would, I would have said from, 80 onwards. So like the team, there was a team that lost to the West Indies 1-0 in 1980 in Pakistan. But from then until 95, didn't lose a single series at home um, at all. They lost, you know, they didn't lose a test in Karachi at all. They didn't lose any series at home. And away from home, uh, if you take, I think Rajesh uh, threw us some figures and I was looking at the figures from uh, in particular the start of 87 till the end of 94. So like, a, you know, nearly an eight year period. I guess in which, so they won, they won a series in India in that time, in India. They won a series in England at the time. Um, they drew, um, two, well, because you're not including 86, 87, which happened just before this, but they essentially do three series with, you know, the, the best side in the world at that time, the greatest side, uh, one of the greatest sides ever to have played the game. Um, the West Indian side, they drew thrice, won all three test matches. So like, you know, there was, there was no give or take there. Um, the only, the only black spot. That, that, that I would put against them uh, of that side. So this is, you know, Imran, uh, towards the end of Imran and turning into like that mighty 90s, ridiculously ta- talented, but also tainted generation. Um, but I, I would have like in this period, Imran, Javed, uh, guys like Abdul Qadir, of course, Wasim, Wakar came in, uh, Mushtaq Ahmed took over from him, the, the wicket keepers, Moin and Rashid. They, the only thing that they didn't do, which Pakistan still haven't done, was win a series in Australia. Um, and the one series that they did have, so the, it was kind of, it, it worked against them in the sense that when they were at their real peak, so that, that year in 87, when they beat India in India and England in England, and then in 88, at the start of 88, they drew in the West Indies. So that like little one 18 month period where they were really, really good. They didn't get to play Australia. They only played Australia at the end of 89. Oh no. In fact, at the end of 90. Uh, and, and by then Imran had tapered off quite a lot as a bowler. Um, and Wasim was still not complete Wasim. That series was kind of the making of him, but he wasn't, you know, Wasim now and Wakar was just a bit younger and Kadir had disappeared and Javed was struggling a little bit. Um, and so they lost that series one nil, which of course, you know, compared to the, the way they lose their series in Australia now is actually a really good result for them. Like just to lose one nil in Australia because they've lost their last four series there three zero. Um, but I feel like if they had played Australia between 87 and the end of 88 or 89, I would say, when Australia were also pretty crap, uh, remember they had lost to England, the Ashes at home. I think Pakistan could have really done something in Australia. And, and they had been playing Australia lots in the generation just before that. So throughout the 70s, I don't think any side played Australia as much as Pakistan did. Um, and so, you know, ties between the two just went off the boil a little bit. They didn't play that often. And in that period, if they had played... I think a, a win against Australia would have sealed the deal. Like, I don't think we would have been talking about anyone else other than that side if they had won a series um, in Australia in that period. But they didn't. I, and so I kind of, you know, I still think, like, their achievements, they had another they had another really big team to play against. They had the West Indies to kind of face off against, which I don't think India has right now. It's a different kind of ecosystem for cricket right now. But I think if any team would, you know, uh, would would fight India for the title of the best Asian side ever, uh, and maybe not lose. It would be that Pakistan side. Yeah, but I mean um, that Pakistan sure. side has like a roll call of fantasy players, right? Like 
it's just like it's ridiculous when you think of it. To have Imran Wasimwakar come like Wasimwakar just coming through. Javed is still there. Mushtaq is still there. Uh, who Mustaq, was opening Kahe. at the time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is where the roll call perhaps is not as as fantasy as what they had. Um, they had Ramiz Raja and um, and Shoaib Mohammed, who were both, you know, in, in that time and in those series, actually, they had Rizwan Zaman as well, who was really dull. But you know, they had guys who yeah, who so, could see so off the you know, you, you could go to lunch twenty five to zero. Said Anwar made his debut in '88. Got a pair. Imran Khan said, "This guy is not a batsman for me," and discarded him. Um, and then he came back and had his second win, kind of you know mid '90s onwards. Yeah. Do 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 you sometimes feel though like so they were up against this this Pakistan team was kind of second in the world behind West Indies at the time uh, because they were playing like maybe the greatest generation of, of players ever to play for a national team or a regional team as West Indies was, uh, ever. Do you kind of feel like if they had staggered it a bit and come five years later, this same group of players at the same age, same stage of the development, they would have been like undoubtedly the top team in the world? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I think, you know, there was also, uh, and it's legitimate, there was also a thing uh, that the West Indies were kind of like India are now, is in they were ruthless at home. They would like, they wouldn't just beat you, they would crush you. And and Pakistan like a like a weren't like that at home. Pakistan would win one test pretty well in a three test series, and then they would be happy to draw the other two. Uh, you know, so they weren't ruthless like that. So their number of wins is actually lower, uh, even as a percentage of like the total test matches played. Their number of wins is just lower uh, than other sides. And I think it was that lack of ruthlessness that held against them also. But you know, if if they had had decent umpires on that West Indies tour in '88. And they had rightly given Jeff Dujon out, which they didn't. And Pakistan had won that series 2-1. Then we might be talking a different game right now. But, you know, I, I think the ruthlessness was a thing. There was a lot of series that Pakistan won 1-0. Um, whereas, you know, you, you can't... West Indies at that time used to win 5-0 and 3-0 and 4-0. Um, and, you know, they used to obliterate and burn teams. Whereas Pakistan would beat them and then maybe just sit back. I think Pakistan only had two whitewashes at home in that time. One was New Zealand in ninety. And, and one was an Australia series in 82, 83. Um, so, you know, they weren't, I don't think they were as ruthless as, as West Indies and maybe India are at home right now. Yeah. By the way, good that you mentioned New Zealand because there are, I know a lot of New Zealand cricket fans who think that, uh, the New Zealand 80s team was the second best in the world. What are your, what are your personal thoughts about that? Legitimate, I think, actually. Uh, you know, Pakistan did not, that's another series that they didn't win in. I'm just thinking, did they beat New Zealand in the, in the 80s in New Zealand? I don't think they did because New Zealand yeah. went on a similar streak, um, of, of having not lost at home since they lost to the West Indies in maybe yeah. 80 or something. And I think they beat Pakistan in the mid 80s. They beat Pakistan yeah. in New Zealand. And then in 88, there was a four zero zero draw. This is like the height uh, of think, Hadley's think power, that, by the way. Like it was very much Hadley carrying. Well, this is the thing. I think the thing that is held against them a little bit is that they were Hadley yes, yes. and a supporting cast, you know, an all-time great, and then a supporting cast of guys like John Wright and Martin Crow. Of course, was there. He as well actually should be counted in that. But you know, they were a team of like one and two, but then the rest were all kind of they were good, but you know, they weren't great. Um, and they didn't have the kind of they didn't have the kind of away series wins that Pakistan did. Yeah, I don't think you know they didn't win in India. 
and stuff like that. So, you know, that may be kind of... But, but, and also the New Zealand. But they want and, you know, Australia, which is one, one thing that they'll always hold hold dear. And uh, and also they sort of yes. they sort of bookended the West Indies reign because I think West Indies' last series that they lost, uh, the great West Indies team, the last series that they lost in the end of the 70s was in New Zealand. There was a series where was that very famous was photograph of Michael yeah. Holding... Uh, athletically kicking yeah, a stump yeah, over, and then <laughs> they lost again. Like I think maybe in the very late eighties or um, maybe early nineties in New Zealand again. Uh, but Hadley was still playing, so I think it was the late eighties. Um, so yeah, there is there is another thing, but I, I think that the the glut of like all time greats that you get from the Pakistan team uh, during that period, I just wish that I just wish it had been a few years later. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's it's a thing I want to put to KK, actually. I, I sometimes feel like this India side doesn't get the credit. I, I mean, of course, it gets the credit. You know, we're living in, in the big three worlds. So, of course, it does get credit and does get celebrated in India. But I wonder if they get seen outside of India. Like, is, is Kohli so big a character now that he is the team? And so sometimes the other guys like Shami and like Umesh Yadav at home, like Shansarma, maybe they don't get the kind of respect and celebration that they deserve because because Kohli is just such a big overarching figure wherever wherever he goes it's just a Kohli kind of content generating machine right I think I think we're living in a an age where like you're either a superstar or outside of your geography you are you're kind of unknown yeah every time India go to England so even a guy who's played as many tests uh, in as many countries as say a Pujara or a Rahane gets talked about like, oh, we're seeing this guy for the first time. And uh, it's been a kind of bugbear of mine for a very long time. But uh, so we're just living in that kind of era where if you're Kohli, you're like globally recognized. Uh, but if you're, you know, not him, but you might be a world-class player, you still don't, uh, uh, that instant recall isn't there. Uh, so, uh, outside of India, I'm guessing like Kohli and maybe Bumrah would be like the big draws. Uh, but otherwise, you know, you're right that they don't really get <coughs> the the level of recognition that uh, they deserve. Uh, and they don't get it even within India in certain ways because you look at the peak of the Tendulkar era and... Uh, you uh, switched on your TV and like you'd see all kinds of cricketers in the ads, right? You'd see like Ajay Jadija and Dravid and whoever. <clears throat> now it's just Kohli and it's just Kohli. You know, uh, even a guy like Rohit Sharma, who's you know like he's a big name in many ways and like uh, he's like a one day all great and stuff. And but basically on TV there's a Kohli cam and. Uh, Anything happens, uh, it immediately pans to the dressing room or wherever he's fielding and his reaction. So, uh, both within India and outside, there's this, you know, King Kohli rubbish that just, uh, it doesn't do justice to how good, uh, all the other players are. And it kind of doesn't, it kind of, Kohli is brilliant and stuff, but sometimes this, extreme level of adulation and this extreme level of focus on him kind of puts you off the guy for maybe not any fault of his and yeah yeah because he's everywhere right he's yeah he's exactly. everywhere you look 
there is some image of Kohli, some some sound bites of Kohli or whatever. He's there everywhere. So obviously, there's a bit of fatigue, I guess, of, of watching Kohli and covering Kohli. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Umesh Yadav. And I think Umesh Yadav is the best measure of how good this team is because he's the fourth choice fast bowler. And he wouldn't have played this series if Bumrah had been fit. Now he's played two tests and he, he's averaging like 12 point something and like uh, there were times during his spells today and yesterday where every ball you're like, okay, he's going to get a wicket. And this guy is your fourth choice fast bowler. So Yeah, this, this is something actually I wanted to ask Osman. So like for the last 30 years, Pakistan have unquestionably had the best fast bowling attack in South Asia. And now we've got, we've just come into an era that, uh, and like it was, it like even Sri Lankans made fun of India's fast bowling attack at points, right? Like we've had Vars, we've had Malinga, like, like we would have even, like even Dilhara Fernando at times was better than anything that was coming out of India, right? Yeah. Fernando was and, good, man. Uh, yeah, he would have been good. great were it not for his no balls, but let's not get into that. Um, he, so we, like even Sri Lankans had like flashes of, of, of sort of brilliance when it comes to fast bowling. India have not, I mean, India had Zahir Khan for a while, but he was kind of a lone figure for, for much of his career in terms of fast bowling. Um, and yeah. Pakistan, it seemed at least from the outside, really prided itself on its fast bowling, uh, and certainly considered itself the sort of the, the home of fast bowling in Asia. What is, what is it like now to have uh, a team, an Indian team with, uh, Bumrah and, and Shami and Umesh Yadav, uh, as, as, uh, as KK said, being like one of the sort of second string seamers that's brought in. Uh, what's, what's that like? <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's weird seeing an Indian pace attack that is so good and so durable. And I know I say that soon after Bumrah has picked up like a stress factor of the back injury, but you know, I, I think the way Indian cricket is now structured and the way it works, it feels like, he will be back and he will be fine. Whereas maybe 10, 15 years ago, you would have thought, oh no, you know, he might be out. But it's, they, they, it, it's amazing to like look at your, even, even somebody like Ishan Sharma, man, like to, you know, to, to, he was the butt of so many, of like some of the greatest jokes in cricket ever. Most of them probably written by you, Andrew. Um, uh, uh, you know, Ishan Sharma was this like, was almost, almost this like, comic cult figure and he's become such a better bowler now he's such he's just he's a good bowler he's actually just a really really good test bowler uh shami i've always had like a soft spot for i've always thought that he's been a good bowler um and bumrah gives it another edge it's i think it's seeing what these guys can do uh, and, and that's what you know set pakistan apart in that time was was their bowling so no matter how much their batting struggled their bowling could always pull off something, uh, whether that was in England, um, in the West Indies, in, in New Zealand, in Australia, even in Australia, you know, the, when they won their last test there in 96, 95, 96, it, it was always the bowling that kind of pulled them through. And, and that I, th- I think what India is doing now, it's, it's driving home the point about if, if you can get yourself not just like talented bowlers, but bowlers who are durable and who last and who are intelligent and who learn, uh, you know, wh- one of the things, that has stood out in this series and actually Indian fast bowling over the last two, three years is how well they bowl at home and how well other bowlers don't bowl in India. Like fast bowlers have come to India and if you're not Dale Stain, you've just basically died. You've done nothing. Like the series that uh, South Africa have had with their fast bowlers here and England have had 2012 apart, 
uh, India has been a tough place for fast bowlers to bowl. And yet you have somebody like Shami, you have somebody like Umesh Yadav, you have Ishan Sharma now, who bowl really, really well on Indian wickets. And it's not easy. Uh, and, and you know, there, it, it was a little bit like how Pakistan came across, uh, not just reverse, actually, in, in the 80s on their home pitches, on flatter pitches. But, you know, they, they, they used to bowl well. They used to pick up new ball wickets and stuff as well. Uh, and, and, and they worked out a way to bowl. They worked out the lengths to bowl. They worked out the lines to bowl. Um, and, and that's something that this Indian attack has been doing, I think. And, and that's, it's probably one of the best things about this Indian side. Actually, if you want to like focus away from Kohli and away from the batting a little bit, you know, because the batting has always been strong, is just how good their pace bowling attack is now. Uh, and just to watch them. And I, I, I think it's great, you know, just to watch them, just to get a chance to watch them anywhere they go. I, I think it's been really good. And I think it's what's got them their wins. Um, away from yeah, home. I mean, uh, we've talked on this podcast, but I think everyone who's ever been on this podcast is basically just like uh, just uh, glowed about Bumrah and how how much of a joy it is to watch him bowl. Uh, but KK, what is it like now, like the, to to be like the butt of all the fast bowling jokes for so many years, and for India to have this uh, this like. At Arsenal at their feet, uh, you know, what's that transition been like? It's, it's good to watch. Uh, they've been the butt of jokes for a while, but they've generally been pretty good at home. Even, even in the dark days when they'd get hammered away and, you know, when they suddenly had to bowl a lot of overs and stuff. Uh, like Ishan Sharma was man of the series against Australia in 2008 uh, at home and uh, so they've always managed at home and there was a period when Zahir Khan was like uh, he'd just find a way like there'd be one spell where suddenly he'd pick up three wickets or whatever and suddenly India would be on top Uh, but it just felt fragile then like it didn't feel like it kept happening match after match for like a series or two but you couldn't be sure it would last, but you look at these guys now and I don't know, just watching Shami sometimes on Indian pitches, like Kohli said uh, in one of his press conferences that uh, Shami gets more out of uh, flat Indian pitches than any other bowler he's seen. And it's true, like just the way he lands at the seam and and no, the way uh, he just gets the ball to off the surface and like suddenly you're sitting up and like watching uh, very closely uh, because until then India would have been batting and nothing would have been happening and for a guy like Rabada <clears throat> and then Shami comes in and bowls and all kinds of stuff is happening uh, it's just it's hard to explain sometimes but it's great to watch I, th- I think Kohli never saw Mohamed Asif bowl huh? <laughs> Sorry, I had to get the Asif reference in. How can we have this conversation without mentioning Asif at least once? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, so uh, one thing I would—I mean, I think the the cool thing about this India team is is the the best, the most striking thing is the attack. And you wrote a great piece about uh, Shami KK uh, a, a week or a couple of weeks back. Um, what do they? What do each of them bring to the attack? Uh, and I'm talking about the spinners as well. Uh, and what is it? How do they complement each other, essentially? I think Osman and I are both in complete agreement that bowlers are better breed than batsmen. So if we don't talk about batsmen at all for the rest of this podcast, neither of us will care. 
bowlers are just better people uh, in in general. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to find out, like, you've, you've watched so much of this Indian attack at close quarters. How, how does it all intersect and sort of how do they interlock and, and work together as, as an attack? To start with, they're all really good bowlers who've kind of hit their peaks at uh, the same time. And, uh, you know, all of them are around the same age, roughly, and began their careers around the same time. So... Unlike the Sri Lanka side you uh, mentioned earlier, these guys are all peaking at the same time. And uh, uh, they like uh, they all have their particular strengths. Like Ishan Sharma, for instance, uh, in India, he becomes more of a sort of, uh, you know, holding type bowler. And uh, he doesn't have the same sort of cutting edge on low bounds type pitches as Shami or Umesh Yadav and maybe he doesn't get as much reverse swing either but away from home he's suddenly like suddenly he's begun swinging the ball and uh, swinging the new ball I mean and uh, uh, he's getting a lot more batsmen out driving and basically bowling not just bowling fuller than he used to but being more threatening while bowling fuller which is why over the last year or something he's averaged 20, which is only marginally uh, less good than Bumrah's average in the same period. And Bumrah, as we all know, like there's pretty much nothing he can't do to the ball. And it, it's a marvel that with an action like that, he can actually bowl genuine outswing as well. And yeah. Um, yeah. And Shami, I've been a big fan for a long time and I was actually slightly disappointed with how his away tours went. Um, Especially South Africa early on and uh, parts of the England tour as well where he was a little inconsistent. But when he's on song, he just looks unplayable sometimes because of the way the seam comes out of his hand and like uh, he just he just uh, he makes the batsman play a lot more than most other fast bowlers because he bowls very tight on off stump. And yeah, so when he gets it right, he looks amazing. And uh, Umesh is, he's not yet uh, had like a performance away from home that, you know, uh, will catapult him into the sort of first 11 when they play away. But at home, at home, he's been really good. Like, there was a spell in Dharamshala against Australia where until then it was a super tight test match and, like, India had a first innings lead of 40-odd and then he comes in and just uh, takes out uh, Renshaw and uh, uh, David Warner in successive overs with the new ball and, like, with, like, these brutal sort of, like, uh, lifters and suddenly India are on top and uh, he's had quite a few performances like that. He he had a 10 for against West Indies last year, and now this series against South Africa has been at his best, pretty much. So, pretty much everyone in this, and we've not even mentioned uh, Bhuvneshwar Kumar, so who's probably like out of uh, the test sort of reckoning for for now. I mean, he might come back at some point, but. In helpful conditions, he's as good as anyone. And uh, the spinners, it's like 
in no other country would a guy as as good as Ashwin not be like an automatic selection in every game. But yeah, uh, but he isn't, and there's a reason for that because Jadeja sometimes is just as good, and lately he's just been bringing way more with the bat as well. So uh, yeah, there's not a lot of holes in this attack. There's, so you get through the new ball and you still have to like you still have to be vigilant right through so they just don't let you breathe yeah i mean bhuvaneshwar by the way has played 21 tests averages 26 with the ball uh has 63 wickets like he is not even in the reckoning for the first 11 in a i mean that's if he was a Sri Lanka bowler, he would have played sixty. You know, they would have played at least fifty tests by now, and been he like, would have been no one Yeah, he would have been. He would have been knowing, no knowing the selector. I'm not so sure. But better. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. To be fair, yeah. that's that's also a good point. <laughs> um, he. I mean, no. Knowing the selectors, he he could have either played like five tests or fifty tests. You don't know which way it would have swung, um, but. Yeah, it is. It is a ridiculous sort of like embarrassment of riches that India have now. Um, do we? I mean, do we need to talk about the 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 series that India haven't won uh, that would have sort of more established them as the world's best test team right now? Right at the moment, it seems like there's a that India are winning a obviously crazy amount at home, but haven't won those those crucial sort of uh, keystone test series or like the high profile, high octane test series that would really make the entire world that kind of accept the fact that this India team is, uh, the best around at the moment. And, and what would those series be? So you're probably going back to last year in the, when they had those series against South Africa and England. Uh, am I right, KK? So England, especially where they ended up losing 4-1. And there were a lot of mitigating factors there and like they were all uh, close matches so it could have gone either way and 4-1 isn't probably a fair reflection of how the series went. But uh, yeah, they still did lose 4-1 and uh, I think they've learned a lot since then. Uh, They aren't as gung-ho a team anymore where suddenly lose a bunch of wickets in a session or suddenly like go too hard with the ball and give away like 30 runs and suddenly lose a bit of momentum. Uh, I think they've learned from that England series and also from the defeat in Perth uh, later later in the same year. Um, so they're a better team now, but they'll need to go and prove it again, uh, which they do go to Australia next year and they go to New Zealand as well. England, I'm not sure yet. Um, but yeah. Those are things that can be held against this side. But I do want to mention one thing, which is um, like earlier Indian teams, like if they had thumped Sri Lanka 3 nil uh, in Sri Lanka like they did in 2017, it would have been hailed as, an, as a remarkable achievement. But this series isn't even remembered. And uh, uh, I don't think Sri Lanka were really that bad. I just I, just I don't think remember India I've, I've pushed it out of my memory, so I'm glad. I'm glad that no one else remembers it either. <laughs> Wiped it clean. What series are you talking about? Did it really happen? Yeah, but but go on. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. 
No, but like, um, I don't think Sri Lanka were necessarily as bad as that result made it out to be. It was just India being incredibly ruthless and like incredibly good. So uh, those series kind of get forgotten now. It's like, oh, it's only Sri Lanka, but it's it's not. I mean, you know how Sri Lanka have been beating other teams uh, in the same time and and yeah. Well, I, I think the best, the KK, the West Indies is the best example of that, right? They've actually, West Indies have been an improving test side at home on pitches that are no longer the, you know, the slow, low West Indian pitches of what we've seen over the last 15 years. And India exactly, went yeah. there and won like, like nothing, right? They, they didn't, it yeah. wasn't even a big thing for them. Yeah. They won that yeah. series so easily. So all the other teams that, that went to West Indies, Sri Lanka went there, Pakistan went, and they... England went. Won, England went. England lost 2-1, right? And Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, England lost 2-1. Yeah, and Sri Lanka and Pakistan, uh, Sri Lanka drew, I think, the series and Pakistan won, but they also lost matches there. Uh, yeah, so, and they won literally off the last ball of the series when Shannon exactly. Gabriel yeah, yeah, yeah. played so, the There were like holes in those teams that West Indies could target. and Yeah. But the gap between India and West Indies was just too much. And especially when Bumrah was bowling, honestly... Yeah, West Indies collapsed against him, but I don't know how many teams would not have collapsed against Bumrah the way he was bowling in that series. I think, that, you know, there's a couple of things just to add on that 4-1. Sorry, Andrew. It just, you know, 4-1 is like a really modern result. And it, it is a result, like I think we were discussing before the pod started, it's just like a very modern result in that every test match ends in a result now. There are fewer draws. So 4-1 now is not really a 4-1 from 20 years ago. A 4-1 20 years ago would have been maybe a 2-0 or, you know, a, a 2-1 over like a long series. Uh, so I, I think that 4-1 kind of, it looks worse than it is, not just because, you know, the nature of the results, they were closer and stuff. I think it looks, uh, it, it just, it like it feels weird to look at it as a 4-1 series because 4-1 in the past has only been like something that the great Australian sides or the great uh, West Indian sides inflicted upon other sides. And certainly not like an England side that is, you know, 13 all-rounders and one specialist batsman uh, to inf- inflict on other sides. So, you know, of course, they deserve the win and you can't take away. But I, I think 4-1 now looks looks bad right now, but it's just a result very much of its time, uh, you know, when there are more whitewashes and stuff. No, I, I was just going to say that it plays into actually the inconsistency of this particular era that we're in. We're We're getting a lot more bowler-friendly pitches, thankfully, which is making for a lot more interesting test cricket. But that also makes it harder for any team to dominate, right? So, like, a team that dominates in this era uh, is going to have to be a pretty exceptional team because bowler-friendly pitches generally keep tests a bit more even than uh, than pitches that are a, a little flatter. So, uh, where teams could get away with winning crucial matches and then drawing the rest of the games in series, uh, that's no longer the case. And, I mean, if you, you just have to follow, like, a couple of teams. So, for example, England won that series last year, middle of the year, 4-1 against India. Uh, they then came to Sri Lanka, won 3-0. And then they lost 2-1 uh, in the West Indies. And they only drew 2 all against Australia at home. Australia, meanwhile, had lost... Uh, in South Africa, and then they'd lost uh, again at home against India as well. They smashed Sri Lanka. Let's forget about that. Let's not talk about any, any anything like that. But uh, but like that that 
you could argue, yes, that uh, that loss to India is a result of uh, Steve Smith and Dave Warner being banned, but uh, they were only. At least Monga will argue that. Yeah, and Monga will definitely argue that forever. Yeah, I, I'm glad someone's here to to sort of barrack Monga's <laughs> cause in his absence. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, at, you can, I mean, there's also a counter argument could say that that ban only came out of sort of the, the desperate situation they faced in South Africa, where they were pretty much almost definitely going to lose that series, and they were pushed to such extremes uh, and and went to cheating. I don't think that they were banned for a year, but that's irrelevant. They were banned for a year, and uh, the India series happened, and and we got the the, the results that we did. Is that India series? So, KK, is that is that Australia win in any way sort of cheapened by the absence of of uh, Smith and Warner? Or we know that the South Africa South Africa series win uh, loss doesn't really count in any way because Sri Lanka won in South Africa this year and no one cares. Uh, <laughs> As the only Asian man to have covered an Asian yeah. side winning in in yeah. South Africa, don't let that hold you back, yeah. Fernando. Don't let that hold you back. It, it doesn't matter. South Africa series don't count. It's just it's just the big three, and if you if you you have to win. Basically, this India team has to win another series in Australia, and to win another <laughs> England series, and then and then all good. and then you can be like, okay, this is the best team in the world. Until then, I don't <laughs> think anyone will like at least like the global cricket media would not accept it as as uh, as the best team around. <laughs> yeah, I had a question about 15 minutes back before I went on my like pro Sri Lanka tirade. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think the question was: is that is that Australia series in any way cheapened by India not not winning? I don't know about cheapened, but it wouldn't have been as easy uh, for sure. And uh, um, simply because a couple of those pitches really weren't uh, that bowler friendly. Um, um, Melbourne, for example, was a really slow pitch on which they had to like work really hard to win that game, and uh, they'd have had to work much, much harder if Smith, especially, had been there. Um, having said that, though, um, they were really relentless in that series in a way that they weren't in England and in South Africa with the ball. So uh, it wasn't like Smith would have just shown up and. Uh, scored runs for fun like he does against England or whoever. Um, but interesting that you mention, uh, interesting that you asked this because uh, right after that series, Pujara was asked, so is this like, you know, your uh, greatest uh, moment because he scored 300s and all of that. He said, yeah, personally, I made a lot of runs and it was very satisfying. But the home series that we won against Australia after losing the first test in Pune, that was the much harder-fought series. So, uh, because we kind of tend to value away wins so much and as a consequence, we tend to forget uh, performances at home. It was good that he said that because that home series against Australia was one of the real high points of this team. You know, even the, like we're talking about away wins in Australia and even uh, you guys, I guess, will remember because you're not that young anymore. You're much younger than me, of course. But that that 2003-04 series where India drew against Australia in Australia, uh, you know, under Ganguly's leadership, you know, that was celebrated even at the time as such a massive result. And 
Like the obvious thing was that they Australia didn't have McGrath and Warren. You know, that's like a, a gazillion wickets taken away from you, and the potential of like a gazillion more in any given situation taken away from you. And so I think that much more than Smith and Warner being absent, like that series was something that you could put an asterisk against because you're missing like, you know, all time great, like top, top quality. We're talking like top in the top five bowlers of the world of all time. McGrath and Warren are both there um, and, and they weren't there and India drew that series and yet nobody made a big deal out of that. So, you know, Smith and Warner not being there. Okay. Smith will maybe end up, you know, as a, as one of the greatest ever. Uh, he probably will. He maybe already is. Um, Warner, you know, he's, he's, he's a very good batsman, but he's not, he's not that right now. And Australia still had a really good bowling attack in that series. As far as I remember, they had pretty much, apart from Pattinson, they had pretty much everyone else at their disposal, uh, at, at their disposal, right? And, you know, you don't need to stop Smith from scoring runs to, to beat Australia. You know, that's the proof. I mean, that's been proven everywhere. Smith can still score runs, but you can still win series against them. It's obviously, it is a loss, but I don't think it cheapens the result. And, and it's history that man, like, you know, in, in the past, India sides have gone there. Pakistan sides have gone there when they've played against like Packer depleted sides, where you literally have like the worst Australian team in a century and they've come away with nothing. So, you know, to just go and win there, that's a pretty big thing, I think. Uh, and yeah, I, I was always, like the anti-manga on this, that, you know, it's not really a cheap victory. It's still a pretty big thing. Uh, we haven't talked about this question at all. Uh, so this is about India's home record specifically and the ball that they use, the SG ball. Not, not many bowlers, actually, not many foreign bowlers have been able to do that well with it. Dale Sane is an ex- ex- exception and he's one of the greatest half dozen, if not one of the great, you know, maybe one or two, if uh, depending on what your perspective is, um, of all time in terms of fast bowling. Morally never did well against India in India, but he absolutely, but he kind of, he did very well against India in Sri Lanka with the Kookaburra ball. Uh, Warren didn't do well with the SG ball either. Um, no wrist spinners have really done well. With the SG ball, uh, no non-Indian wrist spinners, I'm saying, uh, obviously Anil Kumble was, uh, dominated with that ball. Uh, so KK, what is, what do you, what's your, what, what have you heard about the SG ball? Uh, though I've also heard Ashwin be critical of the, the SG ball. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned the Ashwin point because I was going to start with that, uh, because, uh, I like he always complains about how over the last three, four years, however long it's been that they just aren't what they used to be, the SG ball and how uh, the Kokobara in Sri Lanka, especially how it comes out of his hand much better and stuff. Um, I mean, it could be a factor in some way, but to be uh, that big a factor to for us to put an asterisk on uh, India's home wins is a little much, for sure. Like uh, it's just a ball, and the both both the teams are using the same thing. And uh, uh, as to the actual, you know, the why the ball behaves the way it does, and uh, depending on what nationality of bowler is. Uh, 
uh, bowling with it. I don't know. I don't know why it works out that way. But uh, I don't. From what I've read, the SG isn't too dissimilar to the Duke's ball in terms of having a more prominent seam. Uh, it's definitely got a more prominent seam than the Kokobara, which is why uh, I think Shami especially gets it to do so much. Uh, yeah, and if you watch this Rachi test, uh, there were times when Rabada's leg cutters were going like leg breaks and uh, it wasn't like he wasn't bowling well or anything. Uh, some uh, Basically, to compete in India, you need an attack that will uh, control the game on all fronts and Australia had that when they came here uh, in 2017 and no other uh, team has come here with that kind of attack and basically uh, I think that's the that's the crux of it. I, I think the one team that we discussed while we were slacking actually was if Mizbah's peak Pakistan side had come, so I'm talking with Yasser Shah and a couple of like good pass bowlers who could bowl on these slower surfaces. If they had come to the India side then, so like a little bit before India hit this peak that they're in right now, that would have been like maybe a good contest. So I'm thinking like maybe December 2015, there was that one series that was supposed to happen, which didn't happen. Uh, you know, if that Pakistan side had played, that Mizbah side, I guess, had played the India side as it was then, that could have been a tough series, I think. You know, with guys like Yasser Shah and 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 uh, Zulfikar Babur as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd say at that time, I'd say advantage Pakistan. Yeah. Right now, the India team has just evolved a little more, and they've all grown. Yeah, I think more it's experience. it's far ahead in its evolution. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah they, absolutely. They still have to work really, really hard to win in the UAE. I'm sure and. Uh, I don't know. It would be great to watch. Not against this new Pakistan side. No, not, not against, against this, this new side, Pakistan side, I don't think. Like, Mizbah side yeah. at its best and Kohli side at its yeah. best. Yeah. That would have been something. Yeah, I mean, both the... Probably the best Mizbah side and that early Kohli side both toured Sri Lanka back-to-back in 2015. Both of them won 2-1. Uh, the Sri Lanka win against India was a bit of a fluke when there was the one where Dinesh Chandimal went out and smashed... Uh, 163, I think, in like quite a freak innings, and uh, and but then Yasir Shah and and sort of Sri Lanka worked out Yasir Shah towards the end of it, towards the end of the series. But uh, Yunus Khan was just too good in that final test, uh, and well, they dropped Hera. Yeah, for that, that last yeah, they did. did. But that was kind of like a symptom of Sri Lanka sort of not having worked itself out. So. I, I think it was like that would have been an amazing series. Just having watched that Pakistan team and that India team at home in in Sri Lanka, that those two teams taking on each other would have been an absolute epic context. And I think Pakistan might have just had the edge because only because Yasir Shah was probably better than any bowler that I'd seen. Uh, through that year, better than any spin bowler that I'd seen at least. Um, yeah, and I think India weren't as complete as they are now at that time. They were good, but yeah, they just weren't as complete as they are now, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, when Pakistan win their, their series in, or sort of at least draw their series in England, was it the following year? 
Uh, yeah, twenty sixteen. That's when they became number one. The two. Yeah, so Pakistan was were peaking, um, and India were kind of India Absolutely were just like are. building, and I think that kind of un. I mm. think all three of us are in agreement that this India team, at least, we haven't really seen anything like it from Asia, uh, because even that you know that Misbah Pakistan team, I, I feel like they've. They've surpassed them. Would that be a fair place to to end the the podcast? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah, I think for for its time, absolutely. I, I think like like I said earlier, the only team that comes close to them, the only Asian side that comes close to them, to my mind, is that kind of mid eighties, early nineties Pakistan side, um, and, and that gets very close to me. Um, but yeah, right now, like India are doing things that you know few few Asian sides have done in the past. Yeah, I haven't watched the '80s Pakistan team. So, yeah, both, both, uh, of us, both of us are too young. Let's just put that on record and like. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Yes, uh, good you did that. Um, but uh, uh, from their record, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue that uh, one side is necessarily better than the other. But yeah, from all the Asian teams I've seen, at least this one's like easily the best. Yeah. Yeah, modern era, no way, no. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Okay, all right. Let's. Um, I think that's as good a place to uh, to end this discussion as any. Uh, KK Osman, thank you so much. You guys will be able to catch another Stunt Mike podcast uh, next week. Uh, I think Srinath will be back. Uh, so we'll we'll talk to you then. Uh, thank you for listening in. <laughs>